Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. So everybody welcome. It's great to see you. I know we've got some away on holiday and sadly some who are struggling through sicknesses and various things and we send them our blessings and we're thinking about them and uh, but you're here and that's great and we hope tonight that you'll receive something of the heart of what Q is all about. So like it's already been said that we started a series of getting to know Q and uh, we're continuing this week on what uh, Anth brought as part of his uh, talk last week. He said, we see a revelation of the Christ beyond Jesus as the ultimate revelation of an awakened heart. And so we're going to explore that a little bit this week. Now, for some of you, that might be a new idea, but we just ask that you hang with us a little bit. We've talked about this somewhat on a Wednesday night, and that's not what you know you all wish to attend, and that's absolutely fine. But we want to try and introduce some of what we've talked about there into our, uh, our, our house on a, on a Sunday. Now, we're on a quest here uh, at Q. That's what Q stands for. To let God out of a very small religious box, he, she, or it, has been forced into by many religions. And it's not just one. It's many religions. It's been forced and made very small. Now, there's a, a book written by Brian McLaren who I find uh, really worth reading. It's a book called A New Kind of Christianity. And he talks about the fact that every 500 years, there is the need for a, for a sort of car boot sale uh, when it comes to the religious clutter that we've gathered uh, over the centuries. Because somehow we attract a lot of rubbish, a bit like a you know, steel to magnets. And um, this is a, a, something that I read, which I thought is, is, is great. Religions have become so overlaid with extraneous matter that their spiritual substance has become completely obscured under layer upon layer of distortion and misinterpretation that they become to a large extent divisive rather than a unifying force. But when we strip away those layers, we regain the transformative power of the original teaching. Now, let's be sure we're saying that of them all. All religions have got extraneous matter that's built up. But if you manage to strip it away, you, you usually come down to the truth of, uh, of its origins. And that's where the purity lies. Now, you, one might can say, I can see how this happens. Because we try to make that which is essentially mystery into that which can be grasped and handled. But in doing so, we can be guilty of reducing and limiting. Now, it all sounds a good idea, 
But if you make something small that's meant to be very big, you, you don't do yourself any favours, do you? And even with the revelations like that of Luther in 1517, you might remember that we just in uh, 2017, we celebrated the uh, 500 years of the, since the Reformation. What begun as a transformational understanding of the grace of God, over time again, reverted back to a transactional way of thinking because somehow we humans struggle to get away from the win-lose, reward-punishment ideology that we experience in our society all of the time. And we have convinced ourselves that this is how the world works and so it must be the same with the divine. So we have just finished the Christmas season. I only took my tree down last week, so I mean it's been a long one for me. And um, we have celebrated what is known as the Incarnation. It's what we understand as the Word, it says in John, becoming flesh and dwelling among us in the physical body of Jesus. And we say, yes, Jesus came in a moment in time as the personification of the Christ mystery. But we must ask, was that the only revealing ever of the divine presence in the earth? Ooh, it's a question, isn't it? Up to then, was the earth empty of the divine presence? Great questions, and we're going to look at them. St. Athanasius said this, God was consistent in working through one man to reveal himself everywhere, as well as other parts of his creation, so that nothing was left devoid of his divinity and his self-knowledge so that the whole universe could be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. Now, that's quite an expansive thing to say. So tonight, we need to be awakened to the truth of a Christ-soaked world. Sadly, some of us were taught to see, and I've only ever seen, Christ in Jesus. But that's to our detriment, as when we limit the Christ to Jesus we potentially end up with a very small tribal religion that might love and worship Jesus, but certainly does not follow him or his ways and leaves us not loving anybody, including ourselves. Are we going to be awakened to that Christ-soaked world tonight? The divine presence in all matter. Now, I say matter because how the word flesh was originally interpreted it should have been matter, matter, not just meaning flesh and blood as in a personage, but in matter. It should have been the Christ in you as well as the Christ in everything else. But when we understand the implications of this, it will truly transform our lives from one of isolation, loneliness, separation and incompleteness to the radical revelation that you are unified and connected with the source of life and also all things. So we start our journey tonight with a very moving story. The film Awakenings, which goes way back, 1990, can you believe? I mean, 30 years, is it? Whoa. Uh, it's about a doctor, Oliver Sacks, who in 1969 began working with patients who had been in a catatonic state 
following an epidemic of encephalitis that had hit America in 1917. Some of these people had not moved for decades and were known as the children who fell asleep. Filled with compassion for these people, this doctor worked tirelessly to, tirelessly to find a cure. He said, what I believe and what I know is that these people are alive inside. But hampered by many sceptics, obstacles and disappointments, Dr. Sachs introduces a new drug and continues to increase the dose until a miracle happens. Now, religion has caused many to fall asleep and to miss out on the life of wonder that they should have been living. But we believe and we know that we're all alive inside. And tonight we hope that just by upping the dose of our understanding of the Christ in you, you will experience a miraculous awakening. Bless you. My honour, yeah. Like Chris says, we send our love to uh, those who are struggling with illness today and various other things. And also, um, uh, again, please remember Jim and Betty Clark in your prayers. Um, we thought... Uh, we thought it was the uh, last journey for Jim on Monday and he's still still hanging in there and uh, would appreciate your prayers. Betty's had a tough day today. You know, you go through the phases and it's like there's that awful phase when you suddenly phase with the end and then it drags out and it changes and then you become aware of all the other issues now that you've waited. So uh, pray for them and Claire and Chris, Chris and I'll be uh, around there a little later just to... Uh, spend some time with them. Now, um, what we're talking about um, tonight might be shocking for some because uh, it forces a perspective on Jesus that maybe some of you are not wanting to address. Um, also, um, I, I personally have, uh, have taught for more than eight hours on, on this subject and uh, Richard Raw has written a book of about 20 chapters that's this thick on this subject and uh, just these two brief interviews on it is, uh, is uh, our uh, uh, 50 minutes long so we're trying to do in, in, in 15 minutes what we've done with all of that but I do think it's important and of course it springs out of what I said as Chris said that Q is a place where we see a revelation of the Christ beyond Jesus as the ultimate revelation of an awakened heart that does not diminish the role of Jesus it puts things into a greater perspective and also where we see freedom as the ultimate expression of the work of Christ so so our desire is is hopefully to take you on a on a journey which as I've explained will be short uh, that hopefully will inspire and produce an, an awakening deep on the inside of you, a bit like the guy who woke up on the, the video. The, 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 the objective is that it release, releases a, a consciousness of God, an understanding of God and of all things and of God in all things that, that goes beyond just where perhaps many of us have been taken by our spiritual journey. See, see a, true, a true awakened heart does not function merely on a vertical level. If I have one criticism of my many years in, 
involvement in church life. It's that there's been too much focus on the vertical thing. It's all been about, you know, if you think it's all vertical, you either go to heaven, which we say is where, up there, or you go to hell, which we say is where, down there, and that Jesus seems to be all about just correcting that vertical axis, uh, of which I have many questions about, about that perspective anyway. But, but the horizontal perspective, that the whole idea of Christ permeating the world and the world being precious and us being precious and us not just having to find somebody to drag us out of here ultimately because we're worthless, but something that releases that inerrant worth and shows us that we are connected to all things in all ways and that the kingdom of God that Jesus talked about can come in earth as it is in heaven. Now, now, dear old Paul the Apostle, um, I, I've been through several phases with Paul and uh, I, I, I like Paul now probably more than ever uh, because in Paul I see a guy that, that he, is, he is wrestling with some things. Now, now, bear in mind Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, never met Jesus personally. So he never met Jesus in the flesh to talk to him. So, so all that Paul was encountering was not because he met Jesus personally, but he had a perspective within his understanding of his encounters that actually is probably more akin to our journey now than if, if of those who actually physically met Jesus, because Paul actually didn't like you and I. And he was, he was struggling through also a little bit like some of us. He, he was coming from a very religious-oriented uh, background of, of his struggles. But, but Paul keeps banging on about something in his letters. I mean, he just will not let it rest. And the thing he keeps banging on about is about Christ. So we get most of our perspective of grabbing the Christ from Paul than, than anywhere else. And, and, and the interesting thing is Paul goes banging on more about Christ than he does about Jesus, which you might miss, but if you took time to look at it, you would realize he actually does. He uses the one phrase, in Christ, 164 times in his letters. He's like, he just keeps banging on about this Christ thing. Now, now, when he's describing the moment of his awakening in his letter to the Galatians, because Paul had an awakening, it's like all of a sudden something went, ooh, <laughs> really? And you bear in mind that historically this is absolutely correct, that he, he was anti-Christ, not he was the anti-Christ, as in Mark of the Beast 666, but he was anti-Christ, or, or, or probably better, he was anti-Jesus, and uh, he was opposing this new emerging thing that, that seemed to have so much power and, and persecuting the followers of this man, Jesus. And then he has this moment of awakening where, you know, he sees a great light and falls off his donkey. Um, and, uh, you know, I, what that was like at the time, I don't know. Physical light, spiritual light, whatever, but, but, but he truly did see the light, okay? In that moment, he saw the light. And uh, when he's sharing this story with us in, in his letter to the Galatian people, 
He, he makes an interesting statement because he said, in that moment, God revealed his son in me. Now, now, you would have thought that what he should have said was, in that moment, God revealed his son to me because he was not a believer and he was a persecutor of those who did believe, but he didn't say God revealed his son to me. He said God revealed his son in me, which means the son was already in him and the revelation showed him not something that needed to be but something that actually was that he was not awakened to so suddenly Paul says ah he's in me he lives in me and in that moment he realized that that actually couldn't be the physical Jesus that was in him, it had to be something beyond and more than now. Now, Paul is a great propagator of the work and ministry of Jesus, but where it goes beyond that is the part of the revelation within. So this was an already present thing he was talking about that was ready and waiting to find its way out, not an outside thing trying to find its way in. Now, Paul called that something... Or that someone, Christ. And it, it or he is something or someone about whose presence you become awakened. That's the, that's the reality of the Christ. Now, now I'm not attempting today uh, to try and unload on you the whole theology of the nature and purpose of Christ, but to try and convey to you how the understanding of the Christ is pivotal to the awakening of the heart and cannot be imprisoned within the limited human constraints of one branch of religious thought. Christ shows up throughout history in the most unexpected places. And as I said, I haven't time to show you. I could show you from the Bible, if those of you like that, exactly how that happens. But I've discovered in recent years this anomaly, and I'll, I'll, I'll bring my first section to a close almost with this. I, I, this. This anomaly, a contradiction that I've discovered within and surrounding what we call Christianity. And, and that anomaly, that contradiction, that discovery is that mostly it isn't Christianity. It's actually Jesus, Eanity. But we were not called to follow Jesus, Eanity. We have become part of Christianity, which means there is an understanding of a revelation when Paul says he revealed in me that really makes us go beyond just the revelation of Jesus, which is important, very important. It focuses the separation... Because in the Jesusianity, it focuses a separation caused by one sin committed by one man eating one piece of fruit in one location, thus condemning the whole human race and thereby, thereby needing a saviour to fortuitously fix the problem, which is only for some when you look at most brands of Christianity. That's Jesusianity, but we have not been called to that. Now, that doesn't mean Jesus isn't important, but it means Christianity is much bigger and dare I say, much better news than that. So, let me just say this. Christ was not the second name of Jesus. Christ is not a name. Christ is the description of a state of being. Christ did not emerge on the scene at the birth of Jesus. 
Paul makes it very clear in his wrestling about what was revealed in him. Christ has always been and will always be and is in all things. But Jesus was a way that the Christ was manifest very importantly to our humanity so that we could understand the nature and the life of the Christ coming to us at that point through Jesus. There's a universal transcendent reality of Christ apart from Jesus of which one of which Jesus is one manifestation, very important manifestation in the physical body, in the man called Jesus, but the Christ goes beyond that. So would it be outrageous to say that we have trapped Christ in the body of Jesus? I personally think not. I'm aware that uh, we're riding the line a little bit tonight between those who know a lot of Scripture and those who don't know quite so much. And I'm very conscious that uh, we are presenting to you something, as I've said earlier, that has a lot of teaching that goes with it. Not, Not because it's complex, but because there's lots to it, which is a very different thing that we could talk about. So we're trying to isolate one or two things. That's Richard Raw there. If you've never come across Richard, he's just a, a wonderful man. And uh, I would recommend you read his book about the universal Christ. Uh, that, is, that is the name of the book, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, so, so if you believe that there is one God, one source of all things, uh, which I think is a very credible perspective on existence, and that God, that source, is the creator of all things, and that in him we live and move and have our being, which is a quote from Paul talking to some non-believing people recorded in Acts chapter 17, then the truth is all things carry the divine DNA. If all things were made by him and for him and through him, then all things, all things of which you are a thing, all things carry the divine DNA. It's interesting when, uh, I was going to say, when Paul quotes this thing in, in, in Acts 17 verse 28, for in him we live and move and have our being, uh, I don't know, is that... For those of you who are scripturally motivated, he was actually quoting the poets of the people that he was talking to, but because he quoted their poets, does that now make it scripture and the word of God? Because Paul wrote it when actually he wasn't quoting any scripture, he was quoting their, their poets. Uh, you know, you've got all these interesting things, but Paul, you see, is understanding that the Christ spirit flows through all things. And the truth is that in him we do live and move and have our being, so all things carry the divine DNA. It's interesting that the book of Genesis in chapter 1 declares that all things are good. Now, now the problem is most religious perspective, and if you work Jesus back, you will be told all things are bad. 
But God said all things are good. And, uh, and for those who are interested in this, the Bible doesn't start in Genesis chapter 3. It starts in Genesis chapter 1. It doesn't start with this invented idea of original sin. It starts with this God idea of original righteousness, original blessing on humanity because the divine DNA is there. The Christ is the one who connects us all the way through to the divine DNA who in us shows us that we are connected to all things and therefore connected to the one who created us. All things are good. That's the Christ in all things. Now, now, I would also have to say that there's always been a seeking to constrain, restrain, hijack, uh, tribalize the revelation of the one who transcends all things and Christianity has been no different. We try to make it our thing rather than become a part of the thing which is in all things so that we fully are released into that revelation and thereby become awakened. So, so in some ways I could argue if unduly focus people on Jesus and not Christ and if you, any of you are interested in to have that conversation I'm very happy to have it with you. So let me just read you this. When Paul talks about Christ to the Gentiles, that's the non-Jews, which he predominantly is doing, he does not mean Messiah, we neither need nor we're looking for a Messiah. Christ in Paul's teaching is both beyond, is both in and beyond Jesus. The name Jesus simply means he who saves. In summarizing Paul, Christ is the raw material in which, by which, and by whom all things exist and have their being. Nothing, nothing exists outside of him. He is all and is in all. This is the greatest discovery a person will ever make. A Christ-soaked person in a Christ-soaked world being brought to remembrance of who we truly are. Now, according to Paul, and again for my dear uh, you know, Bible friends who would understand this, according to Paul, the great mystery revealed to humanity is not the virgin birth, it's not the crucifixion, it's not the resurrection, it's not the creation. He says this is the great mystery, Christ in you. If you can solve the mystery, none of those other things are the answer to the mystery. The mystery is Christ in you. And you grasp that when you become awakened to that reality. This is the mystery, Christ in you, who is the hope of all things, the hope of glory. The term we could and should use to correctly find, define that would be incarnation. God incarnate in you. So let me, let me bring this bit to a close as well. There is a universal transcendent reality of Christ apart from Jesus that contains within it more than can be seen in the narrowed down view of Jesus alone or released through a revelation of Jesus alone. Paul endorses this in many ways. His propositions prove that Christ did not emerge on the scene with the birth of Jesus. The awakened heart allows us to see beyond Jesus to the ultimate revelation of the Christ in me. That is why, like in the next clip, we got to tell everybody. Now, our point in all of this is not specifically and per se to get you to... Uh, embrace a new theology 
Our point in all this is to try and bring you to an understanding that there is an awakening that will cause you in your heart and yourself to not only be at peace with yourself and with God, but with all things. And our desire is that you encounter that place. It said in that last little video, Christ is not Jesus' last name. Nor is it a Jewish appendum to the work of Jesus if you believe he is the sent one, i.e. Jesus the Messiah. It is much more than that. It is the central theme of all the expression of God in matter, the God self in time. That the first incarnation of Jesus did not, uh, sorry, the first incarnation of the Christ did not occur 2,000 years ago in a manger in Bethlehem. The incarnation of Jesus. The flesh expression happened then, but the incarnation of the Christ, the presence of the divine in all things, whether you believe in the Big Bang or whether just things exploded out of God because he couldn't keep it in and we call it the creation, that was the first incarnation where God couldn't keep himself to himself or within himself, but burst out of himself. And out of that came creation that has all its beauty and wonder. That's why in the Psalms, the guy could say, the heavens declare the glory of God and the earth is handiwork because he said all this exploded out of God and the Christ was manifest. Now, could give you many, many more examples of that. For, for those biblical scholars, if you're interested, Paul says in Corinthians that when the children of Israel were followed in the wilderness and the food they ate and the water they drank, they drank from a rock. And he says that that rock was Christ before Jesus was ever born for those biblical scholars among you. So you have some thinking to do because Christ has always been flowing through. Jesus was our physical human expression of that Christ, because Christ is the visible manifestation of God in all things from the beginning. Now the same Paul, because again we, we don't have time to do all the detail, but, but I think this is where it brings it home. The same Paul who wrote so much about the Christ declares the only three things that truly matter in the manifesting of an awakened heart. And, and it's, it's recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And the last verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where it says, now these three remain. Something can only remain if you've taken everything else away. Here's my summary of Paul. When you take away everything that is just stuff, important stuff maybe, necessary stuff maybe, relevant stuff maybe, you're left with only three things. This is the teaching of Paul from his understanding of the Christ. And he says the only three things that truly matter and that, are, that, that, that truly matter in the manifesting of an awakened art are these three things, faith, hope and love. But let me propose it this way tonight. Faith is the understanding that it all means something. See, in the context of the Christ, when you meet the Christ as opposed to just Jesus the Saviour, when you meet Jesus the Saviour, nothing still means anything because the whole context of that message is we've all got to get out of here because the world's going to be destroyed and we're all afraid and God's going to judge us. But you see, the faith that comes through an awakened heart in Christ says, hey, it all means something. 
The hope says it's all going somewhere. It's not stuck. And the love says it includes us all. Just say that again. So faith means it's all, faith declares it all means something. Hope states it's all going somewhere. And love shouts it includes us all. That's why Paul says the awakened heart only needs these three things in the revelation of Christ. Faith, it means something. Love, it's all going somewhere. Uh, Sorry, hope, it's all going somewhere. And love, it includes us all. Now, I believe that that translates on an experiential level to this. God in me, God with me, and God as me. Now, when I first heard these three statements, I really connected with them because I thought, yeah, that, that, that's, that's really wonderful. And, and what it doesn't mean is that God is ever separate from us. It's not meaning there's a time when God isn't in me or there's a God when time is not, God is not with me or a time when God is not as me. But what it's really stating, each one of those should have a full stop after it. That God is totally, completely, absolutely without reservation in me. God is totally, absolutely and without reservation with me. And God is totally and without reservation as me. That means that he, he loves things by becoming them was what Bono wanted Richard Rohr to title the book. He loves things by becoming them. The story of Jesus is the physical expression that God loves things by becoming them. He became every one of us in human flesh in Jesus because he loves things by becoming them. That means that love still has not changed and that love did not disappear in Jesus, but he still loves you by becoming you. He loves you by absolute dwelling in you as you. So God in me, God with me, God as me. So let me say this. How many of you know that there are times when the thing that you need to know is God is in me? Well, you can because he is. And there are times when what you need to know is God is with me. And he is. So you can be sure of the fact when that is important. And there are times when what you need to know is God as me. God, in the midst of my life, my sufferings, my challenges, my questions, my issues, God, as me, each one of those is fully applicable all the time, at any time, in whatever circumstance you are in, because it's all going somewhere, because it, sorry, it it all means something, and it's all going somewhere, and it includes us all. So let me say this in closing, if you want a summary of what Christ means and who Christ is or the nature and essence of the Christ, it's this, Christ is the outpouring of God. So when you are awakened to the Christ, you're awakened to the fact that God has outpoured himself and we are the consequence of that outpouring. We are not some accident on the face of the earth, but we are a consequence of the outpouring of God. And when Paul said on that road in his awakening, he revealed his son in me, not to me, Paul realised that in that process he was the outpouring of God and the outpouring of God was in him and was him and was through him and that was the revelation of the Christ breaking out from him. Christ is the outpouring of God. 
You can meet him in Jesus and should meet him in Jesus and should know who he was in Jesus. But you need to go to where that Christ, where the God being outpoured is, is a reality in you. That's the awakening, the, the outpouring of God in me. Now Joel sang, tell your heart to beat again and you need to do that. But I've got a, a statement that sounds contrary to finish, but it's not really. Don't you, you don't have to tell the heart that it is one with all things. Sometimes you have to tell it to beat again, but you don't have to tell the heart that you're one with all things. Because as Paul said, he revealed his son in me. So although his heart had to be told to beat again, he realised that in his heart, nobody had to tell him in his heart that he was one with all things. But you do have to tell the mind. This is the problem right up here that somehow wants to fight and not accept the outpouring of God in Christ to say not he revealed his son to me because I'm unworthy and I don't deserve it and I'm so useless and worthless and I need to be judged but it's the revelation says he revealed his son in me is the awakening heart. Now for some of you you think oh that's a step too far because we have so been ingrained with our need for the revelation of a saviour because we are so sin conscious rather than the need for a revelation of the Christ in us because we've become righteousness conscious because of how he has burst into time and space and that's what the Christ is all about. So I pray today from the deepest part of my soul that if you haven't had it already you will have an awakening today that will revolutionise you to thank God for Jesus and appreciate all that Jesus has done, but actually to realise beyond that in the connection, we have now become part of Christ. Because remember what Paul says, and I'll finish with this, we're going to have a short prayer. Paul says, this is the great mystery. Not you coming to Jesus, not you praying a sinner's prayer, not you realising how bad you are, not escaping the judgement of God. This is the mystery. Christ in you is the hope of all the glory. That's the awakening that I want you to feel tonight. And it happens when you just yield your heart. You, you know, you're just saying yes to something that already is. You're yielding to something that already exists so that that can have its full flow in you. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for the, the revelation of Christ. Thank you that you have poured out yourself and that Christ has become the manifestation of that throughout all time, throughout all the ages, and in all things, so that we might understand where we have come in our relationship to you, and that in grasping that, we might realise that Christ in us is the hope that we're looking for. I pray that every heart will be awakened tonight, and that every mind will allow that awakened heart to produce its fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash Q Church York. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.